For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating? Uh, Today is Tuesday. It's not Wednesday. Today is Tuesday. That's how crazy and mixed up I am. I'm busy thinking about a show that I'm about to do after four years. But tonight, we have those girls. All four of them. They are going to be at Don't Tell Mama on Thursday night. I know I've got that right. They're going to be there Thursday night, but we've got them tonight. Now, I'm a little uh, discombobulated here because I am going to try to share one of their video clips. And uh, uh, let's see. Holding me tight. I got...
Oh my God, what fun that was. Back I was going <laughs> to bring you all individually, but as I was watching this, I said, no, I'm bringing you all on together. We're all going to join this <laughs> celebration together tonight. I am so thrilled that you're here. That performance was obviously uh, Richard Skipper Celebrates before COVID. Wow. Right. Uh, and now you have this new show that you're doing, that you're debuting. Is it the debut uh, Thursday night? Uh, no, uh, we actually opened it in the fall um, over at the Laurie Beachman Theater, um, which which tends to be our home when we roll out a new show because um, uh, it's always you know there's the four of us and there's a band and and all of that and then uh, then in we uh, decided that we wanted to do a few more performances in the new year and thought it would be fun to maybe see what how it would play if we scaled down just a little bit. And uh, they had uh, the folks over at the Don't Tell Mama opened uh, their arms to us and said, would you bring, Would you be willing to, to bring it here and do a couple of shows? We've had the just such a good time there. Um, uh, and, but it's still very new, right? Right? Like we, we mostly know it. Yes. <laughs> it feels very I've got so many questions that I want to ask about your process and everything. Um, I want to start uh, back at the beginning uh, for each of you. And uh, I asked for some early pictures early on in your ah. career and uh, careers. Uh, and uh, we'll start here. And uh, you can tell us a little <laughs> bit about this little girl. Uh, that must be you, Rachel. Why, it is. <laughs> right in front of the piano. And she hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> Tell us about uh, what you remember about this picture. Well, you know what? It was at my cousin Dan's birthday party. And I know it was at their house in Teaneck, New Jersey. And we were having just a wonderful time. And I don't know, I must have been <clears throat> performing or doing something in that particular pose. But uh, I, I remember very, I have fond memories of being with my cousins and my family at that stage of my life. And uh, just, you know, having a wonderful time together. Did you grow up in a musical household? You know, I, I did in a way. Um, my parents were both musical. My father had a great ear. He used to play harmonica, you know, off the cuff. And my mother used to sing us to sleep at night. And she had a beautiful voice. And all four kids, we used to sing together in the house. My brother was a really good piano player. So he would play show tunes or Beatles songs and we would, you know, sing along with each other. So um, it's not like my parents weren't professional musicians, but we did have a musical household for sure. And were you all singing in harmony? Because, I mean, you've got these rich harmony uh, and not only have you done harmonies with those girls, but you've done harmonies with others as well. You have such a perfect ear for this. Uh, did that really start with your siblings? It absolutely started with my siblings. My brother and my sister and I would harmonize all kinds of things, starting, like I said, with the Beatles. Um, they were our favorite, but we used to sing Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young, and we would put harmony on everything all by ear. Um, and, uh, you know, it went from there when I was in college, I sang in an acapella group in college. And then after college, I sang in an acapella group. But for me, I love singing harmony. That's just one of my favorite things to do. So. And are they in the business as well? Uh, only my bro, one of my brothers is, he's a professional musician. He is a songwriter, producer. He's got a company where he brings musicians together and does weddings and bar mitzvahs. And he and I, uh, the only thing we do together every year is we um, 
we do a musical service for the Jewish High Holidays in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So that's our gig together that we do, which is really lovely. Well, get me on your list. I'm not far from Fort Lee. Oh, I please come join you, us. <laughs> there's a moment in uh, a person's life where that lightning bolt goes through you and you go, this is for me. This is the career I'm going on. It's one thing that your family is doing it for fun. Uh, it's another thing to pursue it as a career. What was that moment for you? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the first time I, I started out as an instrumentalist playing in band, saxophone and clarinet. <laughs> the, the girls know this story and I, I don't want to give too much away from our show. But, you know, the first time I sang on stage, I was at camp. And I was terrified, but I had a wonderful time doing it. Um, and there's just something addictive, at least for me, um, when I'm on that stage and somebody laughs or I catch somebody's eye and I see joy on their face and then I hear that the roar of the audience and I don't know, the, it's the adrenaline that hits you, the elation. Um, I, I just, I really, really love it. Um, and when we, I sing with the girls and we hit, some of those beautiful chords that Stephen Ray Watkins helps to write for us, you know, I, I just have a physical reaction to it and it's just, it's magic. Well, I'm gonna pull up another photo and uh, here she is. Oh. And there's no denying who this is. She looks absolutely the same. So angelic looking out in the world. Imagine. I love this. That sweater's like five sizes too big. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking with that sweater, man. So tell us about this little girl. I this little girl is a troubled soul. Look at. Um, uh, <laughs> I you know it's funny. I don't. Rachel's got a much better memory than I do. I have no idea when that was taken. Although looking at the backdrop, it, it must have been like the local Olin Mills or something. Olin so it, must Mills. Been, it must have been for something. Um, and I have no doubt that I, I probably cut my own bangs like the day before, like for no good reason. And Herself. so that's why my hair is like all like crazy, you know, fluffed around, like to distract from the fact that they're like, um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's my sweet smile, Richard. And Karen, where did you grow up? I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania. I grew up in in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which is. And a, did you grow up in a musical household? No, not really. No, um, nobody in in my uh, my family structure was kind of weird, and a, um, a lot of a, my mom was. I'm an only child. My mother was an only child. Her mother was an only child. Her mother was an only child, and her mother was an only child. So very matriarchal. I mean, it's your um, birthday and again. Not a lot of family. Sorry. When is your birthday again? Oh, I'm an Aquarian, like you, January 31st. Uh, Carol Channing's birthday is January 31st, and she's an only child. Rosemary Lore as well. Rosemary Lore is not an only child, though. Oh, no. No, not at all. No, but um, Carol Channing was an only child. Yeah, see, it, you know, and I, I never, I didn't have a lot of friends, um, and so it, I didn't really think there was anything wrong with being an only child. It's funny, like, now I'm, I'm so grateful that I... I get to spend my time with these amazing women because like now I like, I get it. But when I was little, I, that wasn't my thing. We didn't, my mom was, um, my mom loved music, loved, loved music, played records all the time. And, and we would all like once a week, the big trip was to go to the record store. Um, but, uh, and she played the organ by ear, but my mother was legally blind. I mean, she didn't have a stick and a dog, but she, she really was not well sighted. Mm -hmm. um, so she, I don't think that actually like playing an instrument for anything other than her enjoyment would ever have been the gig for her. But she played, man. She she loved it and loved music. And so I always like, I always kind of dug it. 
uh, because she liked it so much. And how did the move from Wilkes-Barre to Manhattan take place for you? Oh, um, I, you know, I, by that time I had, um, I, I had decided by the, if where I lived and, and I, we all kind of talk about these things in, in other shows, but, uh, when I grew up, um, if you wanted to be in music, you were in theater. Like that's what we had. Nobody had a garage band. Nobody played jazz or there were, there weren't those kind of clubs in our town. Um, so we were in theater and I, I just always thought that I would, I would, my career would be in theater. And so I went away to Syracuse to, to study. And then after, um, a couple of semesters, sadly, my mother got very, very sick and I needed to come back, um, and, uh, and help in that situation. And then, uh, started doing regional theater and, and, you know, like short tours from there. And then mm -hmm. it just seemed, um, natural, uh, to move, to move here. And, uh, Danny went to Syracuse as well. Oh, what was his major? Uh, landscape architecture. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a good school for that. Yeah, absolutely. I liked uh, it. It just was such a big school. I like. I wasn't ready for it. I had no idea how to do college. Like nobody, nobody really went through that with me. So I just, I didn't know what what to plan. If I had it to do over, I would have done it differently. But with all of this happening around you, was there a pivotal moment for you where you just said, "This is it for me"? Um, you know, I don't. Um. I feel like when I moved here, I feel like a whole world opened up to me that there was so much more to music and creativity than just theater. Like when I went to college, I really sort of, I, I went, you know, having done lots and lots of community theater, you have this huge sense of family and everybody's kind of in it together. And then I went to college and it was a lot more mercenary and very different. And suddenly I was like, no, I don't think I, this isn't what I want to do. And that was a panicky thing because I thought, well, what am I going to do? This is all I know how to do. Um, but then when I, when I moved here and suddenly started to meet other kinds of performers and um, I, I took a, I, I took a cabaret class because I didn't know anybody. And I just thought that somebody at college had said, oh, you know what? You're a club singer, really. You're too short to be on, on Broadway and you should be a club singer. I thought, okay, I don't know what that is, but I'll, okay. If you think, if you think I should do that, that saves me the trouble. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so I took a class at 88s uh, with Rick Jetson wow. and Lena and, and honest to God, if, if I were to say like what, what changed, you know, that, that changed everything for me because mm -hmm. then suddenly I was singing with Lena's band and I was writing songs and then, then Juwazu came along, uh, the acapella group that I was in and it just, you're bringing back I, memories. Yeah. Oh. It just helped me to find where I fit. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm going to bring up another photo and here we are and here she is. Oh, Oh, that's sweet girl. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Look how she is no. adorable. I am adorable. So is that is this, a straight bang. Uh, is this the Northern Pacific? <laughs> yes, Pacific Northwest. Yes. That is Olympia, Washington. And uh, I remember getting that new coat, and I loved it so much. And my, my mother took that photo. So tell us a little bit about the, this little girl. And also, did you grow up in a musical household? You know, my mother and my father were both very musical. Um, they got divorced when I was really young. So when I'd go to my dad's, I'd hear his music. And when I'd go to my mom's, uh, I'd hear her music. But my mother kind of sang in choirs her whole young life. And then later in life, when she was living in more of a retirement community, she joined another chorus. So she, music has been a big part of her life. My dad was more of a performer. He liked to sing, but he loved to, I guess back in the day, they used to do kind of um, 
not pantomime, what would you call it? Like lip syncing to records. And so mm -hmm. Spike Jones was like this comic. And so they, they that do That was this. a big thing. Jerry Lewis yeah. started out doing that. Yeah. So they would do all these like performances and stuff. And through his love of theater and all things theatrical, uh, I kind of discovered singing and love my love of theater and singing. Um, yeah. But was there a pivotal moment for you when you decided that this is the... Oh, I knew very moment? early on. I don't know if it was me. I mean, we used to... I just remember doing, like, performances in our basement with our neighbors. I remember everything was, like, on a proscenium stage for me. And then uh, when I got in, I was the... You'll hear about the show. If you come see our show on Thursday, you'll hear the uh, story. I, I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to. My star starring role, and where I really got bitten by the bug was in fifth grade when I was the uh, star of a musical. Um, and then from there, I was in musicals all throughout high school, and then was a drama major in college, and moved to New York City. Got my master of fine arts in North Carolina. Moved to New York City to be an actor. So yeah, I knew very early on. Uh, how did you make it to North Carolina and why North Carolina? I, I, I'm from South Carolina and uh, I know all about their uh, drama. Schools. Yeah. Go Tar Heels. Yes. Um, I auditioned for, I wanted to be in a conservatory program. So like a two to three year, very intensive master's program. And so I auditioned. That's one of the places I got in. And I was just like, seems, seems good to me. So I'd never been to the South. I'd never been anywhere. I don't think I'd ever been anywhere east of the Mississippi. I mean, I really had been st stayed on the West coast. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I just ended up in North Carolina and had a wonderful experience getting my master of fine arts. It was very intense, but then it seemed like this logical jump to like move up to New York afterwards. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Now this next photograph, I mean, where do you see this everyone? Because oh. she's on a set. Uh, Wendy, this is you. Tell us about this picture. Wendy, your expression is fantastic. I, don't, I think I'm, I, it looks like I'm completely fed up. I think, yeah. I think this was at like a, a fairyland kind of amusement park, you know, for little kids. Um, it was probably in Rockford, Illinois, or in, near Beverly, Massachusetts, one of the places where my parents are from. <clears throat> and I, I just look like I've, I've had it. You, I don't you know. totally, I've seen that face. <laughs> I think you look bemused. You just look bemused. Yeah, I'm just like, mm. So, Wendy, um, out of everyone here, I think you're the one who grew up in the world of show business. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, my father, my parents met in Summerstock, uh, and then my mother went on to do some modeling, and my father continued to do a little bit of acting, but then he got into writing. <clears throat> uh, a little show that uh, no one remembers th these days. <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody? It's Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Gothic little soap opera from the 60s. Um and, and you know, it's actually it's quite a you know, they do have uh, like conventions every year. Like oh my god. I rushed, I rushed home every day after school. <laughs> I had to. Uh, you know, I think so many yeah. of us did. Yeah, yeah. And um so so that was that was that was our big claim to fame in the house. But did they sing as well, your parents? My parents, but well, my mother didn't really sing. She always played the piano. Uh, my father would sing. He he would sing me to sleep every night. Uh, my That's mother's awesome. mother had a bunch of sisters, and they would harmonize. They would do a lot of hymn singing, and all in beautiful harmony. <clears throat> and then, um, and between that and my dad loved musical theater, loved it. 
And so we had a lot of, you know, musical theater playing all the time. And, and a lot of his friends were very, you know, musical theatery and uh, actory and that sort of types. And so <clears throat> my, uh, my friends and I would take their albums and just act out all these shows and fight over who got to be Julie Andrews. And that, you know, that was our big thing. That was this case in my house, but I always won out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask, uh, I want to ask um, a question. It's a, for all of you. And it may seem like an odd question, but I have got my reasons. Um, do you believe in destination? Like destiny? destiny? Uh, destiny. I meant to say destiny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I mean, I, I believe in destinations too. Yes, destinations. Places destiny. I love uh, to travel. <laughs> I think I do. Yeah. Do you think that it was destiny that the four of you came together? I think so. I think we were ready. I think we were at a point in our lives when, when we had been taking these classes together with Lenny Watts. We heard each other and we were like, Boy, we sound good together. And I remember the night that we went out, we were discovering it was like an open mic or something. Oh, it's uh, old. Oh, yeah. Street? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. And we went down there and we were talking about how we, you know, we pay all these money for the classes and it's really great, but maybe we could take that money and put it towards a show. And I right. it was just like a collective idea between the four of us. And and so yeah, I do think it was kind of destiny. Wendy, do you remember the first time that you became aware of cabaret or a cabaret community in New York? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, um, I was singing in a church choir and uh, the soprano in the choir said, you have to go to this school. It's called the Singers Forum. And, um, you know, you can uh, work with a person who does cabaret performances. And so I went there and I was actually very just hooked into that school for a few years. And then I met Lenny Watts and Lena Katrakas doing a summer in the city program. And like, that's the, my world um, completely opened up from that point on. And I went on to work with Lenny um, exclusively. I mean, Lena's amazing, but um, I, I worked with Lenny and, uh, and then I just started meeting people and through classes and going to shows and discovering what I did a show with Terry Lynn Paul. I was her backup. Oh singer. my God. Oh, oh Terry yeah. Lynn Paul. I love Terry Lynn Paul. I know. Paul. Yes. It was an Elvis I show. So yeah. Oh, I remember that show. Yeah. Yes. I would Dick Gallagher was her MD. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. This is really back in the day. Yeah. Well, so this, yeah, this is mid, mid 2000s, I think. But you had also heard from Johnny King, who was one of the instructors at Singers Forum. Yeah about me yes after i'd kind of left singers forum and gone on to different things and then you right. had heard about me because the first time i met you you said oh johnny king used to talk about you well actually so it was uh, yeah it was johnny king but also margaret curry oh okay oh, i love margaret curry yeah, yeah. she's amazing. So, these, these, these connections these connections and you know, then i did not know that Aaron. about you guys i didn't yeah. know aren't these nice things to do yeah. Rachel Hanser? <laughs> and rachel hanser and karen mack had known each other from a previous lifetime because rachel was in my wedding but, yes but yes, rachel i was, was her bridesmaid Wow. So yes, it, definitely destiny. I'm telling right. you. So, well, we we met in Jay Bradley's Christmas show. We used to do oh. that together. And Stephen Ray Watkins was a was one of the singers. And I didn't even know he was a music director. I just thought he was one of our singers. <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> going down memory lane tonight. Uh, Eve, you left the business for a while and then came back. 
Yes, well, I, I kind of moved to New York City, had been singing my whole life, started to sing at Singers Forum, developed a couple cabaret shows, and then I think I just got distracted. I don't know. I ended up uh, having a career on, uh, I, I say it loosely, but on Wall Street um, and just stopped singing. And then when I um, found myself in London working for a bank, uh, I came back to New York City and said, what's missing from my life? And I thought, I need to sing more. And that's when a friend of mine who I worked with at Goldman Sachs had said, hey, I, I know this guy, Lenny Watts. We know each other for a million years. Why don't you give him a call? And then the rest is history. So we're going to talk about Lenny in a few moments because I'm sure he's not listening. But if he is, Lenny, we're going to make your ears burn tonight. You never know. Uh, yes. Uh, Eve, do you remember the first cabaret show that you ever saw? I feel like, yes, it was a Don't Tell Mom, and I don't remember her name, but she was this powerhouse woman who sang with a choir backing her up. That was Jenny Burton. Jenny, Jenny Burton. Burton. Jenny Burton. Yes. Jenny Burton experience. Yes. Guess what? I bet I handed you a drink that night, my you friend. Prob <laughs> <laughs> you probably did. If anyone knows how to get in touch with Jenny Burton, I'd love to have her on the show because I oh. miss and love her. I just remember being very moved by her. It was wonderful, that show. But didn't she Great prove show. to you, Eve and Karen as well, uh, that Cabaret did not need to sit into a little box. For Correct. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Wendy, do you remember the first cabaret show that you saw? I'm pretty sure it was Karen Mason's Christmas show. Terry Lynn Paul took took me and my friend Ave to, to see Karen Mason's Christmas show. She said, you have to see this. And I, I can't even, it was astounding. It was so good. I'll give a little plug here. Karen's going to be on the show on the 16th. So everyone tune in. Uh, Karen, your first cabaret show. It was uh, Nancy Lamott upstairs at um, wow. 88s. Wow. And it was uh, and, and it was back when, when they used to do like a, a 7, a 9, and an 11. So it was a late show. Um, and she was absolutely breathtaking. Alina had her whole class come to see the show. And I just remember like watching it thinking like, like I'd never seen, you know, Nancy was just special. There was just something about Nancy. She just loved to sing. And whether there were 80 people in the room or eight people in the room, she was invested the same way. I just, it was like, it was a really, really cool thing to see. Oh, and she had, there was this table that was in the front. There was a table, 88's the way it was laid out. If if any of the, anyone out there has never been to the club, they had two big round tables that were right in the front, like boothy tables on either side of the stage. So if you were at one of those tables, you were really kind of in the show. And there was a full table um, house left that literally would not stop talking. And they, they were sort of having a good time, but they really were having their own good time. And about... Halfway through, Nancy took a breath and she looked over at them and said, if I pay your check right now, will you leave? <laughs> and they looked at each other kind of shocked and everybody applauded. And sure enough, <clears throat> exactly what happened. And I, I had, for me, you ask about life changers, Richard, that was a life changer for me that, that somebody had, was, had so much love and respect for what they were doing and for everybody else in the room that they took charge in that way, that suddenly it, you were painfully aware that it was not a fourth wall situation. It was a, it was a masterful moment. And she was a tiny, and Nancy was not like a, it's not like um Christine Zabornik doing that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I would be petrified to hear. Uh, <laughs> totally give them the bums rush, like firemen's carry them out of the room, but it was something, it was really, I'll never forget it. You know, the other night wow. I, 
interviewed Jay Landers, who is Barbara Streisand's producer, and Barbara Streisand was a big fan of uh, of Nancy Lamott. So loved listening to her. But there's a great recording of Lilius White and Archie's. Remember Archie's? Oh, yeah, sure. And on the recording, it was recorded live. She says, can you hear me in the back? I can hear you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's great. That that's, that's what I love <clears throat> most about Cabaret. The fact that the fourth wall is absolutely gone. Uh, and uh, uh, Rachel, what was your first Cabaret show? All right, this is going to sound terrible, but I can't remember. And That's furthermore, okay. I think at the time I, I had my entrance into the cabaret community was more about, I used to go to the, the bars and sit and watch open mic and just watch people sing and learn how they sang. And I wasn't really going to full on shows. I think at that time, this is in the 90s, I was really going out to bars and other places, the, the bitter end in places in the village hearing singer-songwriters. Um, but I do remember going to the duplex and 88s and all kinds of places to, and the Don't Tell Mamas to watch people get up at the open mic to just try to learn from them. Um, you know, and I have one little story when you guys are talking about noise in the in the room. I took a, a couple of workshops. There were cabaret workshops, and the very first one I took was at the new school. And that's how I learned about the cabaret was even in existence. And he took us, I don't remember where, but somewhere in the village for each of us to sing. And we, as we got up, there were people, two, a couple people in the corner, drunk. They were clinking their bottles. They were talking loud. They were laughing. And I had friends who came and they were so mad. They said, those people were so rude to you. When we got to class the next week, the teacher asked us, well, what did you think? How did it go? And we were all complaining. It would have been fine, except for these people were so rude. And he said, well, they were my friends and I planted them there. And I asked them to do that, to throw you a little bit and to see how you would handle a situation like that from somebody in the audience. Wow. That's, that's wow. very interesting that a teacher would do that. Yeah. Oh. Well, it, I, I'm going to say this with all due respect to the teacher. It's a sad commentary that that would even be something that we would, any of us as artists, would even have to consider or deal with. Right. Uh, but I'm going to ask uh, your show at Don't Tell Mama, yeah. uh, is you're singing Broadway. The Broadway. The Broadway. The Broadway. Uh, whose idea was Volume it to one. do this show? What was that? Whose idea I mean, was it? Whose idea was it to do the Broadway? You know, I think it was Lenny Watts, wasn't it? I, we came in with three ideas. There were there were three shows that had kind of bounced around with us. There was um, there and, and not that you may not see all of these shows eventually. Hopefully, um, we had an idea for a show <laughs> right. that were um that was those girls two by four, which would be all duets oh, but done right. by four people. Wow. Um, kind of re restructured for that, and then. Um, we had done a show uh, two years ago, or be, like before COVID, really. Um, so more than that, those girls sing the boys volume one. We thought maybe do we do volume two, or is it too soon for that? And then um, the the other suggestion was that those girls sing the Broadway. And it's funny. I I think when we first brought it to the table, I don't think any of us were really sure it was going to be the one that was the right time for mm -hmm. it, but. The more we came in with, I, it always happens, you know, we start with like the huge idea dump and everybody comes in and just puts out all of the possibilities for songs and arrangements. And 
And when we have done theater songs in things, people always love it. Like people are always so responsive to that and, and to what our love of theater. So I feel like that's, that's what, what clinched it. Yeah. I also think that it was during COVID during the lockdown and the one thing about New York, one, one of the many things about New York that was difficult to, to deal with was the fact that Broadway closed down. For and sure. it's like, you know, New York didn't feel like New York without Broadway. So I think there was also this kind of this, um, you know, passion to, to keep Broadway alive, even if it wasn't around. So um, that was also an impetus. Well, I read an article today that Broadway is definitely bouncing back. So that's all good news. Very good. Uh, but are there any songs in the show that are from current Broadway shows or a Broadway show that is just about to open? A Broadway show. Oh, well, we oh, have a rule. Well, Karen. Oh, Karen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. current. We have a song from Six. We have a song that's from current. Six. Mm-hmm. And when we looked, um, when we were building the show, Rachel had a, a number of songs that she brought in that she really like loved and, and we all felt strongly about from Sing Street, which was supposed to come in and then because of COVID didn't come in, although it it may it didn't it, didn't you say that, Rachel? Isn't it now? I thought I saw track? that it might be opening now in it's December. It's got an out of town. So hopefully that'll right. come in. And maybe we'll you know the nice thing is uh um it's not like we're doing um it's not like we're doing Oklahoma, you know, where it's like a, a like if we wanted, if something came along and, and was new and we wanted to job it in, we always try to, to keep our shows a little fluid, you know, like a concert or like a set so that, that if something comes in that somebody feels really strongly about, or if there's something that we're doing that, that, uh, that could be a different moment, you know, that, that we have some flexibility. Well, I'm thinking about a certain, uh, Stephen Sondheim song. Oh, well, you know, that's, um, we do, um, that's one of the clips that we said. I'm sure you're you're setting that up. Um, uh, we in 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 those girls sing the boys. Actually, we our encore was Joanna um, from from Sweeney Todd, and honestly, that was a big factor. The reaction to that was a big part of what got yeah. us thinking. You know what we should yeah. do? We should do more Sondheim. We love Sondheim. We're 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 fans um, on both sides of the footlights for that. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a very it's a very special arrangement by Stephen Ray Watkins uh, that he put together for us. And is this in the show on uh, Thursday night? It is not in the show on Thursday night. Although you never know on Thursday, Richard, you never know what could happen. (laughs) Well, we're going to hear it now. We're going to see it now. So I'm going to bring it up here. So let's do this. And I'm going to bring this on. And uh, Pretty lady in the pretty garden, can't you stay? Pretty lady, we got leave and we got paid today. Pretty lady with a flower, give a lonely sailor half an hour. Pretty lady, can you understand a word I say? Don't go I was mistaken, Joanna. 
Even with the sound effects of Joanna coughing in the background. I did it. That, that, that cougher was fine, by the way. People always worry that they were fine. They were fine. Overcome with emotion. So um, how many MAC awards or nominations have you received as a group? Uh, three awards? Three, three nominations and three awards. Well, four nominations if four you're nominations this year. Four nominees this year. Yeah. And now, on that clip, everybody on stage is a nominee. Don Kelly and Matt Sharfglass, Stephen. That's yep. a nice a nice moment there. So you, you just got a nomination. We yes. did. We did. Yeah. Congratulations Very exciting. Yeah. This was a big year. So I want to ask each of you, I mean, uh, and I'll start with you, Eve. Uh, since you uh, first started and went away and then came back, um, a lot's changed in the business. What are some of the things that you really love that have changed within the cabaret community? And what are things that were in place when you first began that are no longer there that you truly miss? I think what I really love, I mean, part of it's probably just me and my more openness, but I think I love the community. And I feel like once you, you know, you start supporting your friends who are also doing cabaret shows. You start taking classes. You just start getting out there and seeing stuff. I just feel like the community is really the best part of it. And I'm sure it's always been there. I just wasn't a part of it necessarily before. Um, so I think that's really a lovely, a lovely piece of it. And then something that's not there. I don't know. I feel like there was kind of a a mystique about cabaret before that, you know, all this, you know, you hear all these stories about these, you know, um, shows at 11 o'clock or shows at midnight or shows at one. There was just this kind of mystique about cabaret that I think it was kind of an inner circle thing that I don't know if that's there anymore. Um, I don't know if that's a bad thing because I don't necessarily stay up that late. Well, we had uh, Lena on the show uh, last uh, Thursday and we were talking about this mm -hmm. and a lot of it had to do with the fact that when we were doing these 11 o'clock and midnight shows, uh, we didn't have social media. So yeah. people were getting out of the house and going to see shows. Yeah. Um, uh, same question for you, Wendy. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not even really sure how to answer that. I would agree with Eve about uh, the community and, and that I'm discovering the thing that I'm discovering. There's just such an infinite variety of, of people and talents and, 
and styles and and it's it's you know it, it's it's can be overwhelming and um but i i love that i i'm just going to pick a plug for us i love that i found my harmonic uh home i guess that would be the way i put it um i am too because yeah, uh, you are phenomenal i love all of you so uh, yeah. i'm glad we all as, found each other yeah so and then uh, a negative thing i don't know i think i i probably went into cabaret thinking it was all one thing uh so that's more negative on on my thinking um and that it, my eyes have been opened and i i've learned a lot um so i guess that's not negative in general but it started out negative and then you know because seeing the diversity and the amount of maybe not as much diversity but uh stylistically um and um in in all aspects um i've grown i guess that's great karen mack same question oh it is a tough one i i will say i i do i love uh kind of to echo wendy a little bit i love how um how cabaret has become much more um open to uh, people that do big shows and people that do small shows and people that do, you know, that, that highlight different material. And it's not just one thing. It's not just, you know, the great American song before it's not just um, uh, like a singer with a, with a trio. Like it's that it has really branched out and people were, people were certainly doing that back in the day. One of the best shows I ever saw was Rick Skye's Neil Sedaka show. And he had like a whole set and he had like backup singers. And I like, I was like, wow, you really can do anything in these spaces. So I, I like that people are, are embracing that. I do. I think, I think there's a shortage of houses. I think it's, it's hard to find places to play. I think it's mm -hmm. hard to find, it's hard for those places to get on board um, and really support performers you know like there's not i guess maybe it is kind of because with the with the onslaught of social media you know like lena you and lena are right like the bars were the places that you would go or the clubs were the places you would go and everybody would be talking about shows and excited about them you go to happy hour who is here who is there um that doesn't really happen they're they're so driven by by uh tourist trade which is great but they're not necessarily the people that keep keep mm -hmm. us going Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would love to see, um, you know, our, 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 us get back to a little bit more of that where people are a little bit more, um, and to, not to dog any of the people that are booking these rooms, uh, we have gotten so much support and I see it across the board in cabaret from people that are really trying. I just think that, I think that the business as a business is a challenge right now. Absolutely. Uh, Rachel. I'm going to sound a bit repetitive, but you know, you heard me say at the get go that when I was first doing cabaret shows, I knew the people who worked the rooms like Miss Mac um, and the folks doing tech for me and things like that. But I didn't really know any other performers. Um, I sang backup vocals for a few people here and there, but I didn't have a community. And I think for me, in large part, that community really came about when I started to take the classes with Lenny Watts. You know, and then I met people and I started to go see their shows and they were coming to our shows. And so, you know, that for me brought about a whole new world. And I made some amazing new friends. Of course, these ladies right here and more. Um, so for me, that was very special because I always felt very isolated. 
And I guess I didn't really know how to get into the community. So I didn't know there was a Mac. I didn't know anything. Um, I would do my shows at Don't Tell Mamas and go home. And, you know, that was kind of it. Um, and I'm going to echo Karen. I was thinking exactly what you were going to say. I was thinking about all the clubs that I had been to in the past years ago, 88s, Five Oaks, other places oh, that are yes. not around anymore. Right. I'm, I'm putting out Danny's, the cobwebs. Danny Skylight. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. What a show I had there one time. Story for another day, but you know, I mean, the awesome dairy plate at Danny's. Like, it's not yeah. like it was just you know, like, like you know, the the. I followed like Blossom Dairy, and if you followed Blossom Dairy, the thing about Blossom Dairy, did any of you ever go see Blossom Dairy? Yeah. Blossom Dewey shows did not end at a, after an hour. If oh, she no. felt like going on, no, she, yeah. But uh, you, the fact that I was going to follow Blossom Dewey. I could sit in the wings and just listen to her sing all night. <laughs> it was fine with me. Uh, some audiences were not happy, uh, but it didn't bother me. I was happy. I loved her. Yeah. Yes. Um, as a group, um, Lenny Watts, he's so special in the community. What makes him a great director? Um. I think he has amazing ideas and creativity. Uh, he just brings so much great humor and cleverness to the table. Um, he's also really great with the music arrangements. I mean, he, he just has some sure. incredibly clever ideas. Mm -hmm. I think also after working with us for so long, he knows us. He knows our, our shortcomings. He knows our strengths. You know, he knows what kind of dance moves he can give us and what he can't. And, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's for me personally, what I, what I see in him. It's I, I think he's really talented. That's, that's, that's great. I want to have a little fun with each of you now. So I've got uh, four mystery questions. And uh, Eve, I'm going to let you go first. You can pick a number one through four. Uh, and this is all about the creative process. Three. And your question is, um, and it's a statement and you finish the statement. As I take on new challenges, I feel calm, confident, and powerful. Are you there yet? Yeah, I think I am. Great. Yeah. And what has gotten you there? A age. <laughs> age and confidence. I mean, really, I think I, I've done a lot of uh, personal development work on myself through the years. So I think part of it's just feeling more comfortable in my skin. And, you know, that feeling of what have you got to lose? I mean, we all are so such unique individuals. And I know it's so easy to put yourself into the compare despair syndrome and look at everyone else and what everyone else is doing. But if you just bring your whole self to whatever you're doing, that's when magic happens, I think. Agreed. I want to recommend a great book for everyone. It's called Confidence, C-A-L-M-Fidence. Mm. Um, and it's written by Patricia Stark, who's been on this show, but it's an amazing book and uh, it's a great read and mm. you'll all gain something from it. Um, Wendy, uh, you as well, uh, you can pick a number, one through four. Uh, one. Okay. And your question, uh, uh, finish, uh, I'm going to go with this. I'm comfortable expressing my uncomfortable emotions. Is that you? Uh, I'm comfortable expressing my uncomfortable emotions. Ultimately, yes. 
I mean, because they just <laughs> they don't seem to have any control over them. So <laughs> they just come out when they want to come out. But I, I think ultimately, like, like Eve said, you know, um, it's like, wh what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Um, you know, it's it's the you just say what you say what you need to say. That's a great and, way uh, to look at cry things. when you and need I, to cry. And I, I, I totally agree with you. And when I need to cry, I do. <laughs> uh, Karen, yeah. uh, pick it up one through sure. three. Um, two. And yours, the statement is, my actions are intentional and they bring me closer to my goals. Are you very intentional as far as a career path? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I like to think so. I mean, I, I certainly have a, there's a, always a method to my madness, but I, I I'm afraid I'm, I'm for better or for worse. I'm one of those people that sees a million possibilities all the time. So trying to, to figure out which is the, you know, how to connect the dots, like all of them go toward, toward good things, you know, I hope. Um, but I, that's, I think that's a tough one. I, I'm sure that, that that's an, an age and opportunity uh, kind of thing. Okay. And Rachel, number one or two. Oh, I still get to choose. Yes. I'll go one because nobody said one yet. Okay. And uh, yours is, um, it's a question. What's something that you, that has happened in your career that you will never, ever do again? Oh my God. That's a crazy question. Oh, look at Eve. She's going to go the camera. Uh, wow. Jeez. Uh, well, you know what? This is, this is just a small thing, but once we did a show and I was very nervous, it was a boot camp show. And instead of believing in myself that I had my lyrics memorized, right? I put paper out there just on the it. side on a stand, right? And Lenny used to always say in these classes, have faith in yourself. It's there, even if you don't think it is. And I'm still mad at myself from that show because I look back at the video and I'm looking down at the paper because I didn't have the confidence and the faith that it was in there. And I, if I had to do it all over again, I would throw the paper away and say, give it a whirl, girl, because, you know, even if you don't know every single word, something will come out and you'll give a better performance to the people. And that's what it's about. That's great. Hmm. Now I've got some questions, specific questions for each of you. Um, Eve, what's something that you'd like to get done or make progress on uh, as far as your career is concerned this year? I would say um, I've kind of been uh, fiddling around with a solo show for a while. And I started to work on it a little bit in Lenny Watts's uh, Cab Lab class that he teaches, uh, Singnasium. And it just, just even yesterday, I started to think about like, what's the opening number? What's the second number? So I think I'd like to just map that out this year, whether or not I get it up on the stage or do it. Um, because we have a lot of stuff going on with those girls is another question, but I'd like to at least kind of like start to build the show. That's great. And when you get there, you'll come back on the show. Absolutely. Happy to. Hey, good. Uh, Wendy, uh, what is your best method for self-promotion? Um, <laughs> the other girls. <laughs> I'm, I'm notoriously bad at promoting myself. Um, okay. I really try, 
Um, but I always, I don't know, it's that weird voice from your past that gets you, but I'm, I'm working on it. And, um, you know, I put things on Facebook and I, I, um, share things. Yeah, but you emails. always have people who come out of the woodwork to see the show, like the, the, at the last show, the gal that you taught the, high Oh yeah. Gal. Like, yeah. You know, I know. Random people that from your class. But, yeah. Yeah. See Wendy that when they know about it, they but I do. I mean, I do yeah. put it out there, but I'm what? Oh, I didn't hear what you said. Anyway, I put it out there and yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I try, but uh, I guess really Facebook and email and handing out cards whenever I see people. Okay. And Karen, this Pretty may busy. be in line with the last question I asked you, which you're going to probably hate me for, but um, mm -hmm. do you feel that you have systematically built a career or do you feel uh, that your careers happen due to circumstances. Uh, scratch and claw, my friend, scratch and claw. Um, <laughs> first of all, I don't know that anybody would define what I have as a career. <laughs> Let's oh, be very I would. clear about I that. Um, but I love what I do. And I, I really am very, very, uh, very grateful that, I mean, I, I certainly, it's so funny, you know, you, you bring out these old pictures and we tell these stories and you, you kind of think, oh, all of these different paths that I could have could have gone down. But I, I love where I am. I, I work with amazing people. I have wonderful people in my life. And I do feel like a lot of that is available to me because um, along the way, for better or for worse, I made choices. I chose it. I said, I, I want to be happier. I want to work in situations that make me feel valued, that make me um, feel important. I want to be able to do the kind of creative work that stretches me. And I, and I want to lift people up. I want people to come and see what I do and, and be proud that anybody would come and see me in something would be happy that they paid the money and that they spent their time. And, and I, I'm lucky I almost like all of the things that I do. And I, I do a bunch of different things, but I feel like they all sort of do fall in into that. So even though I don't make as much money, as other people or, or maybe don't have as many opportunities, you know, people do shows in town every day. They don't call me. That's okay. <laughs> because the stuff that I have that fills my creative world, I, I wouldn't have be different. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Rachel, for you, where do you feel that your sh focus should be when it comes to your work over the next year? Um, that's a good question. I think certainly with those girls, you know, um, I mean, whatever we're doing, whatever, I mean, I would like to see us as a group start to venture forth a little bit more into the country. Um, you know, we've gone away and we've played a gig in Seattle, which was really exciting. And we have been invited to sing in Austin in October. Um, but there's lots of, yeah, that's, I'm really excited about that. Cause my family, some of my family is there. So, um, but I, I think if we could get to some other places, I just think it's really exciting and fun to go on the road and go into a new room, a new space, sing in front of people that you've never sung in front of before and just have that experience. So that's what I, I'd like to see the girls do in the next year. Wow. Well, I love all four of you. Oh, and thanks, I'm so Richard. glad that you Thank said you. yes to being on the show tonight. I'm going to say my closing remarks, and then I'm going to give each of you a chance to have your closing remarks tonight. It could be about anything that we spoke about tonight that you would like to expound upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with tonight. Um, I do want to let everyone know that my show on... Uh, 
my show on Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. Uh, we are five away from selling out. So uh, if you're interested in coming to see the show, go to richardskipper.com and uh, order your tickets. Otherwise, uh, we have to stop at 60 uh, because of the staffing at the restaurant and getting people in and out. That's their rule, not mine. So I hope uh, to see as many of you as possible. And if not there, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. on the 18th. I'm kicking off their cabaret week. And Lena Katrakis, whose name we've dropped a few times tonight, is ending that week. So we've got some great uh, talent that's going to be going around. I cannot stress enough how important it is to go and see a live show. I know a lot of people have asked me uh, just in the last few days, uh, are you going to do a live stream? And I said, I want to be experienced in the flesh. Uh, I've been doing enough of these virtual shows. Uh, I'm almost at 700 of them. I'm done. (laughs) I'm going to continue doing them, but I want to be among the people. And that's not just me being on stage with people sitting in the audience watching me. It's sitting in a house like Don't Tell Mama on Thursday night watching those girls go and see a live show. Carol Channing once said that in order for a show to succeed, you need people from all walks of life. You need housewives and you need doctors and lawyers and teachers all sitting together in the dark, watching those artists on the stage. They work very hard at what they're doing, and they don't do it just for the sheer joy of singing into the uh, cosmos. They need that feedback from an audience. So go see a live show if you possibly can. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone and call someone that you haven't spoken to in a while. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know how they have made a difference in your lives. I'm going to share a story. We're going to go over a few moments, but I hope you don't mind me sharing this story because it's an artist that was mentioned tonight who a lot of us knew, and that's DJ Bradley. I absolutely loved that man. And I went to see, I was on vacation uh, in Mykonos and I walked into this little cabaret room and there were pictures on the wall of Phyllis Pastore and Lena Katrakis and DJ Bradley. And I couldn't yeah. believe it. Um, And I came back home. I called DJ Bradley and I said, I can't believe this. I was in Greece and there was your picture, big as life on the wall. And he said, Richard, I just absolutely love performing there. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go back. I'm so excited. He left the next morning. He got to Greece. He was on a moped and he had a heart attack and died. I know that's a sad story, but I am so glad that I had that conversation with him before he left. I was able to share with him that he made a difference in my life. And I think it's important that we all take the time to do that because you don't know when that last phone call is going to be. And again, that is not being morbid. That's taking a proactive stance with the people that matter in our lives. That's the message that I want to give with that. Uh, I have a dear friend, Sean Moniker. Many of you know Sean, and Sean says we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. I don't care if you're in a canoe or a yacht or a raft, or if you're pushing a a tugboat upstream, 
uh, whatever size boat you're on, make sure that you have a skipper by your side. Uh, and with that, I'm going to leave the screen. I'm going to turn it over to you, Eve. And when you finish, you'll pick the next person and so on and so on. And when the last person is left, when you say goodbye, the credits will roll. Thank you all. I love you. And I'll see you on Thursday night. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Richard. I, I feel like I'll say the same thing that I always say right before we uh, go out on stage. We hold our pinkies. We have a little ritual. And I say, remember, we do this for fun. And uh, I truly believe that, that, that we do this to make our hearts sing. And so I'm glad I have these four women to do that with. Wendy, over to you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I would say that, uh, um, that if you can sing, you should sing. If you want to sing, you should sing. Everybody should sing. Everybody can sing. It's vibrant healing. That's one of the best compliments I've gotten as a group was uh, that it felt like vibrant healing. And I feel healed every time I sing with my bandmates, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I would like wish for everybody to feel that vibrational healing. And uh, I will pass it on to uh, Rachel. Thank you, Wendy. Um, I just want to say to everybody that it is never too late to try something and do something that you love. We formed this group when we were not in our 20s um, and we didn't let our age stop us and we're not letting our age stop us as we go forward. So don't let anybody tell you that you can't. If there's something you want to try and do and if you think you're going to love it and it's going to bring you joy, I say go for it because we did and we have been the better and the happier for it. And I will turn it over to you, my dear friend, Karen Mack. Hi, Rachie. Um, This was so much fun. Richard, the way that you celebrate everybody and everything, it's it's incredibly special. And, and thank you so much to everybody that tuned in. A special shout out to Natasha Lombardi. I see you out there. Um, and, uh, and you're such a, a fan of the show and I always enjoy your comments and yes, we would love to come to Maine. So, so yes, please, please reach out and, and let's see if we can make that happen. That would be so fun. Um, I agree with everything that my colleagues, my friends said, um, and especially with Rachel, um, uh, just now, if you, uh, there is so much joy, there is so much healing, there is so much goodness that comes from making music and connecting with people and sharing of yourself. And, um, and if you're going to do it, do it and, um, find, find the people that make you better, find people that make you work a little harder. Um, be, be open, be open to listening to, to great teachers, to new experiences, go in and find new music. There was a, a meme that I saw a long time ago that said people that, int- that introduce you to new music are important. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean new music, like modern music, but, but something that's out of, of your purview, um, just just let you let yourself love it a lot. I guess I'd say, and go to see as much as you can, um, and uh, and keep up uh, the good work for everybody that's out there performing. It's cabaret month, it's cabaret uh, season. I know there's a lot of like awards and things that are going on, but honest to God, everybody that got out of the house and put something up in front of people and took that leap of faith did did an incredible thing last year, and and ev- that's a that's winning to me. So. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time. And uh, check us out at thosegirlssing.com.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.